I'm Tom Kay, the founder of Finisterre. In 2003, I started a pioneering outdoor clothing brand, born from my love of the sea and a deep belief there's a better way of making product. Driven by sustainability and innovation, as well as building a great culture, it's pushed me harder than I ever imagined. We believe that by connecting people to the sea, we can inspire people to take action and protect it. You protect what you love. We build products to enable this connection, celebrating incredible stories of the sea and are constantly pushing the boundaries in all we do, come hell or high water. My name is Lawrence Stafford, and you're listening to Hell or High Water, a Finisterre podcast exploring the depths of our oceans and the resilience of the human spirit. Welcome back to the show. This next episode, episode six, we are joined by two great guests by way of Tim Conybear and Finister Ambassador Apish Chetcha, the two founding fathers of South Africa's Ways for Change. Ways for Change, for those who don't know, is an organization that harnesses the power of surfing to provide psychosocial support to vulnerable children in South Africa and what's fast becoming widely recognized as surf therapy. Over the past decade, their evidence-based program has provided youth with the opportunity to have vital experiences in the sea. Working in communities affected by violence, poverty and conflict, where mental health services are often stigmatized and under-resourced, they identify, train and resource mentors to open programs that service the youth of their own home communities. We touched on its humble beginnings as a surf club with just 20 kids, to now 2,000 kids a week with schools and hospital referrals. We discussed the mounting science and information behind surf therapy and how putting young people first, championing diversity and community participation is the key to accessing the ocean. Here we have two men from different walks of life who are doing everything they can to champion equal access to the ocean. The success of what they have done, testament to the shared passion and determination to really incite change. So here we go, episode six, with Tim Conybear and Apish Chetcher, an ocean for everyone. Let's get straight into it. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Apish, Tim. How you doing? I'm well, I'm well. Yeah, good to see you both. It's, um, what are we? You're 11 o'clock over there, you're an hour ahead. It is pushing half past 11 and we're waiting on a massive storm to come and crash into Cape Town and knock out the day. It'll be lovely. <laughs> so, so you've not headed over to Jeffrey's Bay like the rest of them, but are you, uh, who plans to get in the water the next few days? Uh, I, had, I had a quick surf this morning. It wasn't Jeffrey's Bay. It's very far from Jeffrey's Bay. It wasn't nearly as good. But yeah, it was nice to get in. Always good to get in the water. I know. Yeah, surf I don't say if yesterday, but the day before I did, I went for a surf. Oh, it's Musenberg. That's your local, right? Do you run one of the programs out of there? Yes, yes. We, we are just here at the beach front. We run one of the programs here in Musenberg. And the offices are also here. So after knocking at five, then I'll just go for a pedal. I know you've got Mass. Is it Massey Pumalele? Massey Pumalele, yes. Is that, is that Musenberg? It's very close to Musenberg. It's like 15... 15 to 20 minutes drive. Okay, okay. Okay, well, we're straight into it. So I think for anybody, obviously I'm well aware of what you guys do and have done over the years and, and how you came to be. But, but perhaps, yeah, straight out the gate, a good moment to kind of share the, you know, the origins of Ways for Change, you know, the, the incredible program that is, life-changing program it is, and how, and how it came to be. You know, I know, I know how you both got involved but you know you got a passionate team on the ground haven't you and um yeah supporting vulnerable children and youth in south africa and beyond now so yeah how did uh how did ways to change come to be uh, who's gonna answer who's gonna answer go on, Apish, after you age before beauty <laughs> <laughs> yo i think it was after like meeting team but it started as a as a safe club just like few kids who were like wandering around the township who needed help. And then after, what happened after the surf club? Yeah, we, it was a surf club. So, I mean, I, I met a piece, when did we meet? 2009, 2008? 2008. Jeez, I was, yeah, I was young back then. And uh, I obviously come from the UK, didn't really know anyone in South Africa. 
um, wanted to, yeah, to be honest, was probably quite bored, quite lonely, had nothing to do, wanted to meet people, obviously wanted to meet people that were sort of different to me, understood the world differently. So yeah, I've got met a piece at a local football ground, actually, Massey. I've been playing a bit of football with this really lovely local guy called Thomas. And then we started the surf club, started taking kids down to the beach. Um, and it just grew, like more and more kids wanted to come and surf. And we were just asking why, you know, why, why come surfing? What, what's the point of coming to the beach? Why do you kind of wait on the side of the pavement all day to come and surf and realize that we were providing a really valuable space for young people just to come and talk about their problems that didn't really exist. So after, how long did we run the club for? It was probably three or four years, wasn't it, before we turned it into a program? Then it was from 2009 until 2011. Mm. And from 2011, that's where we officially started the program with the psychologist Elizabeth. And yeah. Yeah. And the year after, then we started in Kailisha in 2012, 13. Mm. Even in Kailisha, we started with a safe club yeah. only on Saturdays. And then in 2013, that's where we mm. started to run the program weekly. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was that, wasn't it? It was, it was very kind of informal beginnings of, of just taking kids to the beach. And then, as Apish was saying, we, we met some psychologists and got them involved, some researchers got them involved and basically combined surfing with very basic counseling sessions on the beach. And it was really just about <clears throat> how can you use an analogy from surfing to spark a conversation around how you cope with a challenge. Um, and we turned, turned what was a surf club into an after-school program that kids could join from schools or from hospitals or clinics. Um, I think... I mean, where we are now from where we were then, when Apish and I first met, what, 20 kids, I think, we used to take to the beach? Yeah. Was um, it 20 kids? Yeah, now it's about... Small there. Yeah. And now there's just, over, just under 2,000 kids a week get referred into these one-year programs all across South Africa. Um, and then we've, we've started working with partners around the world. So we have 24 different international partners these days that we support to introduce their own surfing programs in, in different parts of the world. So it's been... It's been cool. It's been good fun. Because Apish, you didn't grow up surfing yourself. You, uh, you mentioned that you met playing football, but obviously, yeah, Tim, <laughs> you were his first point of contact and, and reference to surf then, I, I presume. Yeah, I grew up playing football. I never knew that I would become a surfer. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I've never surfed, never swim, just met Tim. And then I was just curious to try like the surfing thing. And being, come, I mean... Being a closer or coming from a closer culture or I mean tribe, it's more of like we black people were not really familiar with the ocean. And then it started from there, like the fear of going to the ocean and how do I start? And then I think I trust I trusted Tim enough <laughs> to try the, the sport. And yeah, it's because of the traditional beliefs and everything that stopped me from going to the ocean because we, not far from the ocean, we grow up like on the coast. It's like 10 minutes walk to Fishhook Beach and Newsenberg Beach, it's like 15 minutes drive or 20 minutes walk. But no one has ever sailed from the township. Mm -hmm. So, so close, but clearly obvious barriers to actually access, access or do anything kind of on the ocean, in the ocean. Obviously, you now, you know, you've co-founded Ways to Change. You, you run it, you surf, you, you identify as a surfer. But at the time, I guess back to basics, we're talking surf therapy here, aren't we? So this, and, and it's, a, it's a term that's used a lot more, I'm certainly more aware of nowadays. It's that powerful therapeutic benefit of surfing, the transformative effect of the ocean is, is that something that you really benefited from at that time when you first came to surf i think definitely it's something that i benefited like being in a new environment and also seeing other people trying up new things and like having the sense of hope because it just gave me like a sense of resilience because when you started surfing like you always like fall and back on the surfboard and try and then also it's something that I applied in life as well. Like if I do something and struggle or fail, I must try again, like keep trying. And yeah, mentally it made me, I think, stronger and also <laughs> became patient 
like not rush everything but make wise choices i know you guys have always um one of the things from our tour back in when was it february 2020 in fact just before just before the first lockdown and everything went a bit um pear-shaped weird uh in fact the last run of events we did in stores so i think we're very fortunate enough to to kind of get that in just before you'd mentioned a lot about safe spaces in fact that was kind of one of the things that was was, was said most evenings was like creating these safe spaces emotionally and physical right uh, may, yeah is there anything you can kind of add to add to that or what that understanding of safe space means yeah definitely vulnerable, vulnerable children I think also yeah, it's, it was in a really a different environment and also a very safe environment mentally, physically, because it's different from the township where everything is happening, good and bad. <laughs> so for me, uh, I kind of grew up like avoiding being caught with gangster or I mean doing drugs or abusing substances. And yeah, I kept myself with sports and it happened that I met him and then I ended up like being in the ocean mostly every day. And I think it was more safer for me to be in the ocean than being in the township. And I think you were saying as well, I mean, I, I know when we first started, like all those years ago, I mean, the idea of surf therapy, I don't think it really been spoken about. We certainly didn't uh, use that term. And it really was just about helping young people find a space that they could feel relaxed in where they could have an, an honest conversation about what was happening yeah. and i think we, we spoke i mean for me coming from the uk as well and not really understanding um the local society sort of getting to understand what it's like to grow up in a community like massey where there's everything changes so much so often that as a young person, you're constantly facing challenge after challenge after challenge. You, you quite, it's quite rare just to get a space where you can relax and take a breath and have a conversation, just speak to someone about honestly about what's going on. And I think that was, for me, that was the best part. The, the part of that early surf club that I loved so much is that we could all just go down to the beach and you could see everyone just unwind and just chat. Um, and I think that, that idea of that safe space in the early days, I think you know, that, that for me was just the best part was you knew that all of the people that were coming to the beach just love the opportunity just to, um, you know, that. Yeah, I've actually read something you'd mentioned recently in an article, Apiche, and it was about that sense of unity in a community and that if something's wrong, then everyone responds. If something's going good, then everyone's happy together. Um, and I guess that I'll get, speaks to exactly what you just said there, you know, why is ways to change become so important in your community and and you know and everything you do with the rollout of your program in other communities that it's a it's a great unifier which i mean isn't the isn't the ocean what they say is is the world's great unifier we're all connected but the um yeah i just thought yeah incredibly powerful you know if something's wrong everyone responds something's right everyone enjoys and, and revels in it together yeah, I think even when we, we asked the kids, like, because we did like sort of a questionnaire, because we saw them that they keep on coming and we, uh, we were curious to know why they keep on coming. And one of the things that they mentioned, it was more of like the safe space. When they're in the ocean, they feel more safer, they feel more like relaxed and calm. And then obviously, maybe the fun of the, the sports, it was yeah, another thing that they would mention. But it was more of like the safer environment where there's a caring adult around them. There's also like positive conservation around the group. And that made them more comfortable to, to open up about their issues facing at home, their background. And this is everything from le you know, learning coping skills for stress, self-regulation of behavior, articulating your feelings which they do there on the beach in the water with you and as a group but also something they take beyond the program as they become yep. young adult young adults or you know apply to the rest of life scenarios right 
Yeah, I mean, the, the way we've slowly started building the program out is that we wanted to have, um, yeah, like you say, like conversations around feelings so we could understand, or we could help young people understand what they're feeling and articulate it to each other. But, you know, our, our feelings are linked to behaviors as well. So the idea is, can you practice behaviors to help you cope with those feelings? So we do these role plays in the water like, where you practice a behavior that elicits like an emotional response. So you'll teach someone to float or you'll help someone catch their first wave and you start learning that, okay, well, if I share, it helps me form a relationship that's built on mutual trust. Or if I can celebrate someone else, it helps me become closer to them. So I have these social, caring social connections that make me feel better. Um, or we'll do very basic breathing circles. Um, or we do these anchoring techniques around, um, you will do a breathing cycle, but you'll think about your various various positive aspects of, um, of your life as you breathe. So you start becoming more aware of the, the, the good parts of your life your, or your personal strengths and skills. And the idea is that you, you come to the beach and yeah, you, you learn behaviors that help you form um, kind of healthy social connections. So how do I form friendships with people that really do care about me? How do I identify when I feel happy or sad? And how do I use breathing maybe to calm down? Or how do I you know, identify my strong points? So it's, it, it, it's, it's all integrated just onto the beach. Um, I mean, the great thing with surfing is it's so um, visceral, it's so emotive. You, it's really easy to, 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 to elicit like an emotional response to something when you're in the water. And then you can tie that to a behavior. You can tie that to something you do. So it's been, yeah, I mean, I think a piece when you and I just started, we had no idea about this stuff. We've been really lucky to link up with... Um, with different universities and different psychologists and things have helped us build the program out, but it's been a, it's been, it's been a cool journey. I mean, speaking to that, it's probably actually a good moment to kind of, to elaborate on the, for lack of a better word, the, the science behind it. And I know that there's, I know you work with the likes of Jamie Marshall and Stoked Research. He's based in Scotland, but that spends a lot of time on the ground with you and, and, uh, He's uh, very literate, isn't he, in, in, in surf therapy. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah, an extremely enthusiastic, fantastic guy. But, um, you know, I know that there's mounting evidence now for the benefits of surf therapy and the importance of mental health. In fact, um, our, our good friend Matt Barr over at Looking Sideways podcast just recently interviewed uh, Joe over at The Wave Project in the UK. And they really went in deep on the science and the, um, the studies and the evidence behind, behind surf therapy and its evolution, you know, and how it's the struggle with F, from NHS funding to, you know, how you guys continue to exist and, you know, actually take this to the masses while all the time convincing those that, that this is, it's really relevant. It works. It's a thing. Uh, surf therapy is a thing. So, yeah, and, and then you work with the likes of, uh, is it ISTO or ITSO? Yeah, uh, ISTO, yeah, the International Surf Therapy Organization, yeah. Yeah, because they're meeting again in October. I know you have your annual kind of, um, in fact, it was Jamie who told me three years ago there were six papers published on surf therapy. One year later, yeah. 45 papers published, you know, it's, 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 it's being adopted, right? There's, yeah. there's been a step up. There's been an awareness shift. It's, um, I think there's been, there's growing understanding that being physically, um, being physically active is very, very good for your health and your mental health and, and your health and mental health are quite tightly, uh, tightly entwined. Um, and then there is something about surfing that is, maybe quite unique in, in how it, it can rapidly boost your confidence. And I mean, the amazing thing with surfing that Jamie always talks about is that it's so accessible and it's, it's so addictive and you can always choose your level of, um, of participation. So you can be totally new and just getting in the water for the first time can give you an enormous sense of achievement and confidence. Or you can have, you know, you have been a surfer all, all your life and you can choose to surf a, a bigger wave or do a different turn. There's, it always offers you something. I think, you know, you can go into such depth with the science, but I think the thing for, that I've learned, um, especially from our work in South Africa, is the idea of, of self-concept. So when, um, when you live in a community where you're surrounded by a lot of quite challenging situations, quite a lot of negativity quite often, your self-image can become quite negative. And when you 
achieve something and that and you are recognized by your peers and you do something new your image of yourself suddenly starts changing to a positive one and especially for you know kids have been through trauma violence um, difficult family situations they do often arrive with us at the beach with with quite a negative image of themselves and that that plays out in their behavior or their learning their concentration and just by meeting people like a peach and, and trusted ad adult peers and getting in the water for the first time, achieving something difficult, achieving something new and fun, they, their confidence grows, their trust grows. And you see a total shift then in the way that they self-regulate, the way they concentrate at school, the way they form relationships with other people. It's just that subtle shift of, of having quite a negative image of yourself to being a surfer at the beach and connected to all these really cool people. Um, and you can go into depth around social connections and um, the physiology and how the body changes and all the stuff through surfing. But I think for me, the, the real simple change is that, that, that total change on the way that young people see themselves once they've come to the beach a few times. Um, this is that, that subtle shift from, you know, I, I'm not very confident in myself. I don't see myself in a positive light to, oh, I'm, I'm a surfer and I'm like this guy, or I'm like that girl. It's, it's really, really powerful. And it's, it's simple, which is the best thing, because if it's simple, it means more people can access it. Um, and that's kind of our mission, I think. I mean, a, a piece you've definitely seen that in, in the kids in Massey. I've even seen it. And I mean, for you, I wonder if you could illustrate a little bit with, I mean, imagine those kids when they first arrive at the beach from Massey and they haven't surfed before to six months later. I mean, what, what do you what's your kind of observation? Like, how would you see them change? Firstly, obviously, it's, it's, you can see the biggest fear in their eyes. They're just full of fears. They're scared to go in the ocean. And then slowly, because we get to introduce them in, in the ocean, like with our sort of activities, we call them water skills, where they can hold each other's hands, just walk like a few steps in the water and just making sure if everyone is safe and then go back and then duck diving. And then those kind of things are slowly building up their confidence being in the ocean. And then after like six months, <laughs> When you get there next to the after school, like when they pick up sports, they're just waiting. And then it's always the transport that gets, that's being not late, but they will always be there before the transport. <laughs> when the transport gets there, they're always there. And then it's always full. And I remember we started with a small van, but now we always have, I mean, three or four taxis from each side. And yeah, it's just, the attendance, it's been consistent from them. And it's always like those things that they mention that keeps them coming back. They're the love of the ocean now. They're caring adults, which are their mentors, the coaches, and also the fun of the sports and doing everything in groups. And I think supporting each other as well. It's also because sport, I mean, surfing, it's a very individual sport but we do it, I mean, in groups. And then they don't feel like they're failing if they're struggling. They support each other in a very different ways. And I guess the other thing that I've noted, and actually I think you'll better comment on this, is when we first started that surf club in Massey, the community wasn't exactly bought into the idea of surfing. And now all of a yeah. sudden you've got the schools from Massey are, are, are phoning up and they want to refer kids into the program. Mm. And you've got parents phoning up wanting their kids to be in the program. What do you think it is that's encouraging the schools, parents, I mean, Kailicha Hospital, some of the clinics, why are they, what is it that they see in surfing that now wants, that encourages them to send kids to this program? Like, I think it's the impact of the program in the kids because when we started, it was more of, getting them from the school. So all the kids would want to go to the school knowing that after school they would go for a surf. And it has increased the attendance in school as well. And also I think it's the, the work that we do, it's been seen by the community. Because when we started, the community was more scared of what if the kids will drown and those kind of things like traditional beliefs and barriers but after a while after so many years they've seen how kids change their behavior through the program and then the parents will refer their kids themselves instead of like waiting for us to go through the school and school counselors and social workers now they conduct us to put mm -hmm. their kids in the program 
and also like the, the clinics instead of like doing counseling session at the clinics they'll want one of their those who are attending their sessions to be part of the program because it has made this huge shift in the in the young people's lives and they are able to socialize i mean in a very good way and they know how to communicate their feelings they know how to build good friendships because what we often do in one of our activities we always ask them to map out their their communities where they think that they will go if they need help or in case of emergency so they know the kind of like good places to go in the community and people to talk to it's incredible every time i hear it it's you know i i get a real sense of that well you mentioned it there that shift there is a, a, a real shift in the appetite for people to get involved whereas not too long back it was like well what is this i don't get it it's uh you know taking our kids put them in the water we don't and you actually mentioned there about the, the fear and risk involved and i know you've spoken about that before and, and you've discussed it with me at, at great length but it's i know many places around in particular like the, the african coastline south africa a community's relationship with the sea mostly centers around income and sustenance fishing and actually what you're doing has and I guess there's challenges in it, but repurposing the sea as a safe space for people to enjoy and, and engage and play with, right? I'm, I imagine there are countless challenges from, like you said there, transport to understanding, to the fear, to the, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know what question I'm asking here, but it's, you, you, you're shifting the understanding of how the sea works and what the sea means to people as well, huh? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's quite a cool anecdote actually from the, um, when we, so we run programs in um, in Liberia as well. So, um, like I said, we have um, quite a few international partnerships. And we, when we started the program in a town called Harper, which is on the border with the Ivory Coast, um, it's a beautiful town, but it's very cut off from the outside world. There's not there's there's very little um, for young people to do. And like you say, like every opportunity, every resource is exploited for financial gain as, as there would be in a, in a community where there's not much going on. So we, um, you know, we, we got in touch or we were actually contacted by a university there and they'd seen our work in South Africa and they said, look, we'd be interested to introduce like a surf therapy program down here. So we trained a number of their um, students to, uh, and, and they ran a counseling program, um, a number of their students to start a surfing program. The first time they went down to the beach, they were doing this exercise called immersion where everyone holds hands and you walk into the water together just all around, listening to each other. And when someone's fearful, you turn around and you come back. And then they were halfway through and the, a policeman saw what was going on and came down to the beach and pulled them all out of the water because his initial um, thought was that they were engaging in some kind of human sacrifice because that, that does happen um, in that mm. part of the world. Mm. Um, so they obviously came back onto the beach and they explained what was going on. And then uh, sort of they all went back into the water and the, the policeman jumped in with them as well. Because the policeman was like, okay, this is brilliant. I'm, I'm getting involved as well. And there's the idea of, um, I don't know, like the, when you see communities kind of not learn such a patronizing word, but understand like the, um, the value that the ocean has just as, as a place to go and have fun and play and how good it makes you feel the community then does start protecting the sea a little bit as well. So that beach mm. um, in Liberia and Harper, where we started, that was initially kind of a little bit of a dumping ground for the community. It, was, it wasn't the most pleasant place to go. Um, now there's, um, uh, now the, the guys have been given the lease to the beach. It's cleaned every day. There's, no, uh, there's now no dumping order on the beach. They've built a clubhouse there. Um, it's, it's quite pristine. It's beautiful. It's awesome. And, and you know, when you, and, and it was Mr. Ross, actually, who's the manager who said it. He was like, well, when you, you protect the things you love, and when you realize that you, you love the beach, then you look after it. And I yeah, guess that's, that's a cool. gleaming that, example it, of that, yeah. It's cool, isn't it? It's just that subtle shift of seeing the beach as more than just um, as an economic kind of tool and seeing it as, as a place to play. And I think, especially in, around the coastlines and a lot of the places we work, we realize that children growing up in those communities, they don't have a lot of opportunity quite often to play because there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure on them to, to perform other tasks. And I think just going into the water, going to the beach, it, it's so simple, but it does change 
the kids' lives. It changes the, the way the community sees the ocean and the way the community treats the beach. It's got this really cool cascading effect. I mean, that's a pretty incredible and wild story, isn't it? It's, and I know you guys have anecdotes from all the other places that Waves to Change continues to pop up. And um, I remember, you, I think you'd mentioned once about, is it Mogadishu, Somalia? And yeah. you've now got former Somalian fighters now wielding surfboards instead of guns. Yeah, it's, um, so that it, it's through a partnership uh, with an amazing organization called Elman Peace. Um, I mean, a lot of our international work we do um, with yeah, local um, nonprofits or um, other companies. And what we do is we provide equipment and training evaluation support so they can open their own programs on the beach. So we, we got to know Elman Peace through UNICEF, um, and it's run by an amazing woman called Ilwad Ali. Um, Ilwad Elman, sorry. If you, haven't, um, if you haven't already, I'd recommend following her on Instagram. She's an amazingly powerful woman. She, I think she was shortlisted. She was the youngest woman to be shortlisted for the Nobel Prize last year. Oh. Um, and, yeah, we, we met her, and they run safe houses on the beach in Mogadishu, and it's for young men transitioning out of conflict. And we trained some of their coaches. Actually, their coaches came down to um, Cape Town a couple of years ago. So from our good issue, I meet you know, Apish and I and some of the team ran some trainings uh, with them. They went back and opened a program. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, on, on the beach in Mogadishu, um, you've got young, young adults going through exactly the same types of activities that we run here in Cape Town. And the impact's been, been fantastic. Um, we've now got... Ilwad going to the, the UN Security Council and talking about surfing. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's like taking surfing to new places. And I guess, I mean, the other thing that I love about what they're doing, also, to be honest, what we're doing here in South Africa as well, is that um, there's not really infrastructure to support mental health programs for, for vulnerable people here. So I think what I learned coming to South Africa from the UK, the UK with the NHS, um, in the welfare state, we, there's a really strong security net for, for the population. When you go, so when you come to South Africa, that doesn't exist at all. So you've got to build it from the ground up. When you go to Mogadishu, I mean, there's, there's even less. And what these surfing programs offer, it's, it's everything you'd find, you know, within the NHS, you know, in a kind of a mental health support service, just built from the ground up by the people that are running it. So, you know, the Ways for Change program in, in Masapumalele provides a pretty comprehensive mental health service to those young people um, that it doesn't exist elsewhere in the society. So um, you know, we've had to set up referral channels from schools and clinics, hospitals, so people can get into this because otherwise they're not getting it. Um, and in Mogadishu, I mean, Ilwad's organization, Elman Peace, is <laughs> it's, it's all there is. So it's, um, it's amazingly powerful. And the cool thing is if you put it on the beach, people really want to be part of it. So, you know, we, it's another little side benefit that, that surfing brings. It just, it makes everything so much more fun, so much less threatening and people just, they want to be part of it. So um, no, it's been, yeah, it's cool. This is everything you're doing now with the Wave Alliance, right? There's a nice kind of uh, route into talking about the Wave Alliance and how you're teaching this or how you're utilizing the skills that you've learned, the framework, the curriculum. There's a big sense that this has to come from within the community themselves and not solely from outside, outsiders with a predetermined format, right? That every, every beach community is different um, and that you can provide a framework in which they tailor and make their own. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what we learned a while ago is like, what are the key parts of, um, of a surf therapy program? And really it's, it's well-trained mentors, um, it's the ability to take kids into the water. It's combining surfing with a few kind of social emotional learning games so that kids can learn behaviors that help them cope with stress. And we thought, well, if we know these are the key parts, let's, let's get some tools in place so that any organization can train a coach or any organization can use the curriculum or um, any organization can measure their impact. Uh, and we thought, you know, with this, these tools create social benefit. And if they're creating a social benefit, we need to get them to as many people as possible. And we don't want to leverage these tools so that, you know, we can make money off them and things like that. You know, our, our goal is to provide social change. So we made these tools available to any organization on any coastline around the world. Um, 
and people can download the tools from our website and when they start using them we offer online training in-person training and yeah like you say the idea is that organizations from different coastlines around the world that have resonance to that coastline that understand the the local problems in the local context um, can take everything we've learned in south africa and just subtly adapt it to what they do so and we made that decision to kind of open source it because we thought, you know, there's, there's various different ways that we could take ways for change. We could try and open ways for change centers all around the world, but it becomes, you end up having to raise a huge amount of funding and the, the purpose of the organization changes. And we always thought, well, let's, let's keep our South African program strong and just share what we know with as many people as possible because then you start seeing a bigger shift. And we've kind of seen that with the Wave Alliance. So, um, yeah, we've now trained 24 different partners around the world and they really are partners, you know, we learn with them. So Ilwad and Mogadishu would be one example. Um, and we've got more partners coming online next year. And the goal is, yeah, just to, just to help and support community organizations to remove some of those barriers to the sea. You know, community organizations are so powerful. They, they're from the community. They understand the community. They're deeply entrenched. They're just like a peach and Massey. Like when I first came to South Africa, just, just speaking from my experience, there's no way that I could do anything in Massey. My job was really to to work with a piece and, and provide that initial support and training um, so that you know, the mm-hmm. community of Massimilia could own their own program. And it's, it's taking that understanding and, and applying it to different organizations around the world. Because when, mm-hmm. when these interventions are community-led, then they're sustainable. Um, yep. And if one day ways of change drops off the face of the earth, which it might do because charities are always vulnerable, um, it means that everything that we've developed and shared, that keeps going and that's the main goal. But yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's the concept of the Wave Alliance. It's um, something we've been doing for a couple of years now. Um, and it, it's, yeah, kept on growing. Uh, look, a big part of that, I imagine, is trust, isn't it? It's um, knowing if, if a piece is from his community or, you know, and, or some, some figurehead in, in uh, Liberia or, or, or wherever else. It has to come from the people within a community. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah and I know you've spoken on that before. It's, um, but trust, trust is a big thing that it's not the white savior coming in and um, all the solutions are here in one place and this is what you do and this is the only way you can do it. Actually, it's, I think, allowing them to make it their own and apply it seems to be how you, you champion that through the Wave Alliance. Yeah, like it, that's exactly it. I mean, the communities know the, the solutions, you know, like, and, and the goal of Ways for Change is it's just providing a little bit, basically just a bit of mentorship um, mm-hmm. on the side. And we try and adapt it to every local, con- every, every context. I mean, there's, um, there's some wonderful organizations actually we worked with in South Africa recently, like Samora and the guys up in Bulungula, Ryan up in Durban. And again, you know, they're, they're working in contexts that, um, that are very much their own and they're rural, you know, rural parts of the country that we don't understand so well. Um, and they've taken, you know, these tools and they've adapted them to their own environment. And, and, the programs are thriving and when, um, you know, when, when they need support, they get in touch and they give us a phone call and, and we help problem solve. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I guess the, the trick is exactly as you say, like we have something that works, but it's not necessarily the answer. Like mm-hmm. the people that know the answer, the people that often live in the communities. Um, our goal is just to try and be flexible enough and open enough to adapting what we learn. And you then help, amplify the effect of these different community organizations around the world because i think that's where the power really lies is, is if you can get like a big network of community organizations going um you can affect a big change i think if you have one organization that tries to do everything it does become a bit top down a bit patronizing and i think mm-hmm. historically we've seen that um and i think rightly there's now that's been questioned culturally um so yeah i mean hopefully we're hopefully we're doing things the right way um <laughs> we try and learn as we go yeah yeah and i guess that you what you've done over the years is, is learn how you can actually lead intervention, but also the trials and tribulations, the teething programs of establishing this in your local beaches. You've almost fast-tracked these other people who want to get involved, haven't you? You go, hey, look, look, this is not how it works, but this we could suggest is a way in which you can really, yeah, yeah. you've almost shaved years off it growing in other, in other spots. So... Um, I recently seen you'd adapted parts of the program to support non-surfing partners, uh, the likes of Skater Stan. Um, yeah. That's yeah, really cool, really cool. Been familiar with that with that um, venture for a while. It's uh, yeah, incredible work. How how do you how do you translate that curriculum, if you will? 
Um, I mean, the, the first thing is it really is training coaches. So the, um, the role of a coach or the role of a mentor is really to build trust um, first and foremost. And I think when you're teaching a sport, if you're looking at performance as the outcome and so just participation, it's, um, you tend to lose the trust element. Um, as soon as you focus on participation, everyone learning at their own pace, um, celebrating everyone for just being there, you start changing the sports environment into a, into, a more, into a safe space. So everyone gets recognized, everyone gets celebrated. So initially, that's what we do. You, know, you just work with a sports coach and you just try and switch from this kind of performance mindset to participation. Um, and then a lot of these games, uh, a lot of the curriculum elements that we've developed, you, you can put onto any sports field, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's, um, and if there's anyone listening to this that, that's interested, we can send it to you. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's just simple role plays that you can do on a sports field that teach you behaviors like sharing, like celebrating one another, listening to one another. And it's all about helping young people form these kind of um, powerful social connections because that's what helps you feel safe. Um, but to be honest, a lot of it's all around the kind of the coaching mindset. Um, and yeah, like you said, we've worked with um, skateboarders, we've worked with squash coaches in El Salvador recently. Um, we've worked with DJs and art, art coaches in, again in, in Somalia through UNICEF. It's, um, but yeah, I mean, I think you, we started off speaking a lot about safe spaces and um, that's what we're looking to create. And the people that do that, to be honest, really are the coaches. The curriculum, all the games that you learn are secondary and they're useful, but it's, that, it's the person that brings everyone together. If they've got that intrinsic skill set to, mm-hmm. to help everyone feel listened to and celebrated and, you know, South Africans have got this amazing term called Ubuntu where, you know, I am me because you are you. Like, if you can introduce that to the sports pitch, then, then, then you do create these safe spaces. And I guess... What was that called, yeah, sorry? Ubuntu. Yeah. The... So this is where <laughs> I'm going to step back and let, I'm, I'm butchering basically Apish's yeah, come on. <laughs> let's let's hear it properly. Let's hear it properly, Apish. More you say divide than like, and also how you explain it a bit simpler, what it means. How, I mean, how, yeah. How, how would you, I mean, how, how would you go about creating a winter at the beach? Like, what, what are the kind of, <clears throat> if you were talking to a soccer coach or, Someone's like a rugby coach or someone that's like, okay, how do I create Ubuntu in my program? What, yeah, how would you do that? It's just a small principles of like running a session and like communicating with each other in a very polite way or in a very respectful way. Like recognizing another person or being a person. Mm. And also it's more treating others like how you like to be treated. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's more being kind, caring, all those good qualities. Yeah. Was it recognizing someone for being who they are? Yeah. I like that. That's really powerful. Yeah. Because I guess, like, just from my experience of like, growing up playing competitive sport, um, you're judged by your success instead of, like, the person that you are quite often. Mm. Um, it's just dawned on me, actually. I think we, uh, I think... Dougal, Dougal Patterson, obviously over your way, produced a lovely little film uh, last year, um, this year, um, called Ubuntu. And uh, it, it spoke to exactly that. Yeah, it was him and his yeah. daughter, uh, Marley, getting in the water. So yeah, okay. I will put all these lovely links and references in the show notes. Um, <laughs> kind of leads me on to my next thing. And it's, you know, the, the past few years, we've seen great sporting moments most notably, South African rugby team winning the World Cup back in 2019. I was on the road with Dougal and uh, Rick Wall for the screenings of Satori. Um, and we, we watched that. And uh, yeah, I, I watched, along with them, South Africa take, take, uh, take home the, the victory. And, uh, but the unifying nature of these occasions... You know, I saw it with two South African men on the road in the UK. But back home, you could... And, the you know the how people took to the streets was uh you know what a moment in time and you've those stories apish and i think you've spoken about before but stories like sia khaleesi and you know a black man leading his team to victory um is there a sense that surfing can unite people in the same way do you think that surfing surfing has the potential to (coughs) unite people in the same way that these other big mainstream sports can? 
Yeah, it has. I mean, sport has the power to bring people together. Uh, it's more of like how we started with Ways for Change because we, I think we know the history of South Africa where black people were not allowed to come to the beach. Only white people could use or go to the beach or have access to the beach. And now that we bring like everyone together, like that's what, I mean, surfing can do. And uh, we see now like it's becoming so diverse. It's very inclusive. It's not only for white people, but it's for everyone, which is something that I think it will be like the first step. And then from our generation and to the next generation on how they can use surfing or the sport of surfing or building a bigger community of surfing moving forward. And there's a lot more, a lot more, a lot more girls, a lot more women taking part in, in this now as well, I've seen. Yeah. There's more girls, there's more, like, it doesn't exclude anyone at the moment. I think it's, that's the right direction. Mm-hmm. And even not long ago, I went to do the school visit. And when I went to the school, uh, it was mostly after school when the kids are waiting for the transport. And then I saw half of the girls, I mean, there were girls and boys Close to the, is it the same amount, same amount of girls and the same amount of boys where they were waiting for the transport. But like when we started, it was only boys and girls were scared. And because of the, I think because of the social norms where if you are a girl, you cannot participate in surfing or sports, you must do the house shows. But I was really impressed to see like, the same amount of girls were waiting with the same amount of boys like coming to the beach for surfing. And some of the girls, they, <clears throat> they tend to cut their short, I mean, their hair short because <laughs> they don't want to use cream and fight with their parents when they make their hair nice and then all of a sudden the ocean has ruined their hair. So they decided to cut their hair short and then neat and just for surfing and just for being in the in the Ways for Change program. I mean, business. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like maybe I should do the same. If I really, if I really took my surfing seriously, I'd, uh, I'd do everything to enhance my performance. Maybe, maybe we could start with the hair. Um, oh, wow. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's I mean, from an in- inclusivity perspective and, uh, and, and access, it sounds like you're, you guys in particular are taking things in the right direction and the surfing and, South Africa looks 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 pretty bright. I know you've got people like like yourself, Apish, who I, I can't think of a better uh, ambassador of surf uh, over there. But also people like obviously Mikey February, who um, you know has you know rose to you know incredible amount of fame over the last the last couple of years with video parts and whatnot. But there's sounds like you've got all the right things in place or, or beginning to with um, the, the right people, the leaders, the mentors. You've got people who have started the program as not surfing before. And now the, you, you're, you're, you're three ways to change, try and develop them into becoming mentors themselves. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, with surfing, it's, it's going to be more interesting in the couple of years that are coming. Like, especially if it communicates or it's more relevant to everyone in the black community, white community, like mm-hmm. put them together. And it's very therapeutic to be on the beach. And we, I think with depression and young people are suffering from depression with the lack of services that is there for young people. I mean, even the parents are struggling to, to address depression because we don't have ever wait for it like in a black community or closer community or in Africa at large. But I think now that we've got those kind of like conversation with depression, coping schemes or changing behavior sort of things, I think it's going to be not just sport, but more of like a solution to, I mean, social, the social complexity issues. Hmm. <laughs> I, I think what you said is super interesting, though, because, um, and I don't know, Lawrence, if it came through, because something that really surprised me here is that in, I mean, Apisha, can you talk a little bit more about the concept of there not being like a, 
it's not not so much that there's not a word, but the idea of depression and hostile language, uh, and how you're bringing like conversation around mental health into the open. I think, yeah, I think that's a really important point because I think as much as you're bringing surfing to so mass promulgation, mm-hmm. we bring surfing to, to these different communities. We're also starting these important conversations around what it is to feel okay. Yeah. Do you and want to just talk a little bit more about that kind of concept of maybe there not having been a word for depression? conversations around mental health health and also community do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more yeah i think when we when we talk about depression the word depression like how to translate it to closer so that people can understand there's no there's no translation there's no direct translation but people tend to think that if you talk about mental health it's someone that's it's mentally disturbed or something they don't really understand that it's those traumatic events that's happening that affect you in a very bad way. And also if you are, <clears throat> and how to look after your mental health, like mm-hmm. being healthy after your well-being, they don't really get that. But now that we started slowly talking to the kids about it and then they can take that into their community, to their homes and then talk about it, it makes other people more interested and more engaged into understanding what is mental health and also what is depression. How do do you support someone instead of judging or making fun of the Mm -hmm. situation? Mm -hmm. That's quite, yeah, supporting someone. That's really powerful, isn't it? I mean, it's it's almost a generational thing then by the sounds of it. It's... The kids, the kids are the ones who are understanding this as a result of what they're doing. Take it back to their elders. I mean, I guess you'd like to think that moving forward, communities like I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I know that Tim, Tim has it on lock. The closer, closer. There we go. Thank you. Um, I, I won't practice here, but uh, you know it, that's. Well, yeah, it sounds, it sounds like there's a bit of ownership and responsibility that's now starting with the youth. I mean, no, it's that, in a way, I don't know, I remember when I speak to my grandparents and mm-hmm. yep. I mean, they didn't really understand the concept of mental health as well. Like if... Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't exist just there. Yeah, that's a, it's a pretty global, yeah. global I mean, awareness thing, that, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, it, I think, again, it was like, my parents' generation that kind of slowly started talking about it as well. And I think now we've obviously become a bit more aware of it in the UK. Mm-hmm. But you can see, you know, no, just this idea of like, as a few said, like, um, understanding instead of judging. I don't know, it's just interesting. I haven't heard it put like that before. I remember talking to my grand. <laughs> my grand was great at judging. <laughs> didn't understand mental health back then. But um, yeah, no, that's a really interesting point, actually. I like that. Yeah, and you're very well versed in this, Apish. And I know you're studying sociology and, and community development when you're not doing all this. I don't know how you found, find the time to do all this and also raise a, raise, raise a newborn child. I mean, you're both now, you're both fathers now, both well, <laughs> week, week, weeks apart, no? Four months. Is Max four is four years. months. Canva is two, two, months. Two, two, two months. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So the, um, are you, uh, Set, setting them up to take, take over ways for change and follow in your footsteps like this there's a couple of generations here it's uh it's in safe hands and it's good for change 10 years anniversary oh yeah 10 years anniversary this year isn't it yeah wow amazing so uh, which actually is a nice nice point to drop in the artist series collaborative t-shirt we've just done with you so that that's that's really good timing 10 year anniversary t-shirt um i don't think it's labeled as that but we've uh, obviously we've we've worked with one of your good friends and artist serge on the ground and he's done a really cool bit of graffiti art on the back of um a run of limited t-shirts that i will drop a link in all this and um yeah so uh, anyone listening do make sure you go and pick one up all all profits um go straight back into supporting ways to change on the ground and um yeah just the beginning of um uh, the work we're doing to help support the wave alliance and everything and it's uh so it's a relationship and a partnership with you guys i think we very very proud to help in and it's um yeah it's uh i think there's a few few more exciting things coming next year that we can uh link to as well so one uh one kind of final thing before i wrap this up and i didn't want to ask as much what your hell or high water moment is but more actually about how your work with Waves for Change 
has changed your lives? Uh, it's quite, quite a big question, but maybe one of you go and then the other one have a think. But how has it enriched your relationship, not just with the sea and surf, but also the community you, you sit within or you know, even as simple as how your, your outlook on life? How's, how's something as powerful and unique as ways to change, yeah, change, change your lives as individuals? How is race changing? Um, it's a huge question. Um, I mean, if I think about it, I'm going to be 40 in two weeks, and I never, ever thought I would be doing this with my life. But, um, I mean, geez, I've met, met some of the most amazing people, learned about some amazing cultures. Um, uh, yeah, learned about what it is to be connected to people. And the internet, I don't know, maybe this is going too deep, but in a, in a weird way, like it's kind of helped me understand like the concept of development in a, in a bit of a way. Like the idea, I think you mentioned it earlier, the idea of like people coming in thinking they've got all the answers that they know best. Um, actually, what I've learned is that, you know, you don't, <laughs> we don't know best and that's great. Um, it's community organizations, uh, communities know best really. And like when you come in, taking the time to get to know someone, know their culture, know their community, it's not as a skill that's been lost, but I think sometimes like the world, we move quite quickly and we want to do stuff quick. And sometimes we, as, as a piece says, we, we judge before we really get to know someone. And I think it's probably what I've really learned through Ways for Change is the power of getting to know someone and the, the, amazing, like, the incredible beauty that is within communities and cultures all around the world and how much you can, we can learn from each other still. Um, it's definitely taught me that and it's it's probably you know it's a huge part of my life now i think it's the idea of trying to take time and get to know people um it's definitely changed the world the way that i look at the world and the way i look at people it's nice it's been amazing it's been brilliant um i think if i went back to the football pitch when i met peach and and i knew this is what was going to happen i'd probably make all the same decisions again which is great um nice but yeah i, I I don't even know if that answers your question, Lawrence, but yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my yeah, no, it does. It really does. Like very grambly answer. Um, yeah. And I don't even know where I was going, to be honest, when I started Race for Change. So I don't know if it's changed anything, but it's given me the most amazing um, experiences and I've met mm-hmm. some brilliant people. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. In particular, this, this man sat to your left-hand side. Very handsome man. Sat very handsome man. <laughs> over, over to you, over to you, Apish. How, how's how's ways to change, if at all, uh, yeah. left left an imprint on your life? Yeah, I think think it sums it all. It sums it all. Yeah, I think if I can mention a few, I think it started by identifying myself. I identified myself as a surfer now, which is something that I never thought I would become a surfer, or never thought of surfing or becoming. I mean, associating myself with the ocean and also like through working with young people are becoming patient, not to rush things, not to rush decision, not to rush like goals that I set for myself, but like becoming patient within myself and then within people around me and also being kind at all time and not being judgmental. Like Nick <laughs> just mentioned now, understand something before you like put your own opinion and I guess also change me in a way of understanding what is needed when you helping people and how to help people and because grow up in a township it maybe <clears throat> not to be selfish but to to have Ubuntu but also to think of if I need to change the whole community, but then I need to start changing the people around me, I need to change myself first and then people around me, and then they will also, it's building the, it's the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, being resilient, hopeful, patient, and being happy, enjoying <laughs> Yeah, that's really, really important, yeah. Hey well, th- hey, well, thank you again for checking in. It's, um, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely one of the highlights of my work is, is, is clocking with you guys regularly. And um, yeah, thoroughly look forward to getting out and, and joining you in person in the waves and, uh, and really seeing what you do on the ground there. And uh, so, yeah, keep it up. Amazing work.
and um, yeah, look forward to seeing you both soon. And the uh, and your and your uh, and your little ones. <laughs> you need to come and teach them to surf. There's two little ones that need little Finisterre wetsuits. Well, I hope you enjoyed that one. We consider ourselves very fortunate and proud partners of Ways for Change over the past few years and extremely proud to have a piche on board as an ambassador for Finisterre. If you want to learn more about the guys and the organisation and how you might get involved, head on over to their website, waysforchange.org. As we mentioned, you can pick up the new artist series T in support of Ways for Change online, in stores and over on the podcast episode guide now of which all profits go straight back to the organisation, changing lives one way at a time. We have linked all relevant material, films and further reading over in the show notes, so head on over to the website finisterre.com forward slash hell or high water to see for yourselves. Thanks to Gareth at Chatterbox Audio for helping put the show together, sound designed by the great CJ Mirror. If you're listening via the usual podcast platforms, subscribe to be the first to know about future episodes, and we'll see you next time.